This is Mary's exclamation of praise. And if you remember the setting, she is at her cousin Elizabeth's house. And she has already been given the divine announcement from heaven that she would carry the Son of God, the Messiah, give birth to the Messiah that would be the deliverer of Israel, that the long-awaited Messiah. Mary knew exactly what this meant and knew exactly what the angel was speaking of. She didn't know how it was all going to take place, uh, but she knew what was going on. And, uh, of course, she received it by faith in verse 38 where she says, Be it unto me according to thy word. She goes to Elizabeth's house. Elizabeth, her cousin, is also carrying a miracle baby. Miracle in the sense that Elizabeth is an old woman. She has passed the years of childbearing and God has given her a child anyway. And the purpose of this child was to be the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the Messiah. He was to prepare the way. We know him as John the Baptist. And so uh, Elizabeth is already, uh, what is it, about six months along when Mary arrives at the house here. I think my timing's right there. And so Mary gets there and immediately, Mary doesn't have to say anything except hello. She walks in the door. This place erupts with uh, joy and praise. Elizabeth is uh, proclaiming uh, praise and blessings and all this that's going on and she's praising the Lord and blessing Mary, all these things that are going on. The baby, John the Baptist, in her womb is leaping and jumping around for joy and Zechariah is over there going, I guess, I don't know what he's doing. But we know he's not saying anything because he has been, uh, he has been struck dumb and he is unable to speak until uh, they name the baby here, and that's eight days after the child was born, and that's the, what we looked at on last Sunday. But Mary is praising God in verse 46, and she and Elizabeth are having their own little church service together. They are praising God together, and we have recorded for us Mary's exclamation of praise. I want to read it to you, all right? Verse number 46. Let's pick up our reading right there and let's see how Mary praises God for everything that's going on in her life. The Bible says in verse number 46, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent away empty. He hath hopen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. 
In every passage that I've preached so far, I've just tried to find a phrase to use as a title. I'm going to do that again this morning. And I want you to go back to verse number 46, the very first verse that we read. And I want to underline the phrase, magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord. Because that's what Mary's doing in this text, is she not? She is magnifying the Lord. And that's what I want to preach on for a few moments today. Magnify the Lord. Praise God. Let's pray. Let's ask God to help us as we open His Word. And, uh, and I, I, my prayer is that we don't just watch uh, Mary magnify the Lord. I want us to participate with Mary. And I want us to magnify the Lord together. Isn't that what the psalmist said? Magnify the Lord with me. And I think Mary is inviting us to praise God uh, with her this morning. Let's accept the invitation, all right? Father, we love you. We're thankful for the privilege we have to open your word. And God, I pray that we would uh, take the occasion that you've given us to magnify your name. You are worthy of our praise today. God, you have done to us great things. And you are so good in our lives And Father, we see Mary praising you for who you are. And God, we want to get in on this. We want to magnify and glorify your name this morning. Lord, I'm unable to do anything in the hearts of these people here today. I can preach to their ears. I can maybe engage their minds. But Lord, it'll take the Holy Spirit of God to thrill somebody's soul, to thrill their hearts. And I pray that you would. Lord, I pray that rock-hard, cold, calloused hearts would be broken up today. And I pray, Father, that, that, that... Lord, our praise, Lord, would be fresh and it would be real because you are worthy of that today. And God, I pray that you'd help me as your servant this morning just to magnify your name. And I pray that you fill me with the Holy Spirit and help me to do so in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. We'll give you the praise, honor, and glory for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, I've already given you the context of Mary's exclamation of praise. And I want to give you just a few thoughts about praise just in general before I really jump into the text. And there's a lot we're going to leave on the table this morning. There's no way in the world I could ever pick everything out of here, not in one, not in one, well, probably not ever, but definitely not in one message this morning, uh, not and get it all in in 28 minutes. And so I'm going to have to just kind of get what I can and then we'll go to the house. But let me give you just a few generic observations about praise that I think we learned here from this text, and then we'll get into the text. First of all, I want you to see that praise is natural. Praise is natural. Praise uh, is genuinely organic for the child of God. It's not something you got to drum up. It's not something you got to fake. It's not something that you have to... uh, that you have to uh, uh, put on a show about. Listen, God has been good to us. God has been real good to us. (laughs) We ought to be in hell this morning. And if you'll let your mind engage those truths, it won't be long until your mouth starts engaging in praise as well. And your heart will be glad and it will rejoice. And I I want you to see this praise that Mary is giving. It is not a rehearsed recitation. It is not a planned proclamation. This Uh, praise that Mary is engaged in is something that happened naturally. Elizabeth started reminding her, do you see that in the previous verses? Uh, Reminding her about how good God has been and what God is doing in your life. And by the way, isn't it good to have some friends that will provoke some praise in your life? Isn't it good to have some friends that will remind you how good God's been in your life? And I tell you what, I don't know, that's why I love coming to church. Don't you like coming to church? 
I believe half of y'all on that. But, uh, uh, man, I like coming to church. You know why? Because the Bible says that we assemble ourselves together why? to exhort one another. Isn't that right? We encourage one another. And there's a lot of times I can't see all the good that's going on in my life. There's a lot of times all I can see is the bad things. I got blessing blinders on my life. But, man, sometimes just getting around other people and they talk about how good God's been and what God's done in our life, what God's done in our church, and what God's done in our homes. And, man, I started thinking, you know what? Maybe they're right a little bit. Maybe God has been good. And they start provoking praise. I want to get around people that, that provoke me and prompt me and push me to praise the Lord. That verse before it tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together tells us to provoke one another to love and to good works. I can't think of a better work than praising God. I can't think of any, uh, any other uh, 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 exclamation or revelation of love than to praise and magnify the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that praise is natural. If you're saved by the good grace of God, you don't have to drum it up. You just got to let it out. Just don't hinder it. Just don't hold it back. You don't, have to, you don't have to stir up the Holy Ghost. You just don't need to quench Him. He's on the move. He'll move in your life. Just don't hinder Him. Just get out of the way. Amen. Somebody said, let go and let God. Amen. I don't know how accurate that is, but it sounds good. Amen. Just get out of the way. Let God move in your life. It's natural. It's natural. It ought to be just as natural for us to praise the Lord as it is for us to draw a breath of air. It's a natural thing. Praise is natural. And I see that in this text. It just happens. It wasn't planned. It wasn't scheduled. It was just the natural response of dwelling and, and, and meditating on the goodness of God. I want you to know that not only is praise natural, but praise is scriptural. It's scriptural. We see Mary exemplifying that for us here. We're commanded throughout the Word of God to praise the Lord. The last uh, five, six psalms uh, in our praise book, our psalm book of the Bible, tells us the very first verse of Psalm 146 is what? Praise ye the Lord. The very last verse, praise ye the Lord. Psalm 147, 148, 149. It's all the same. When you get to the very last one, it's praise ye the Lord. And the Psalms end like this. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. It is a scriptural thing. Don't you ever let these religious windbags make you feel guilty for praising the Lord. It is scriptural to use a loud voice. It is scriptural to use multiple instruments. It is scriptural to use uh, uh, excitement and everything that you have to praise God. Genuine excitement. You can shout. You can run. You can say amen. All that is absolutely in the Bible. I'll tell you what you won't find in the Bible in response to the goodness of God, and that's this. That ain't in the Bible nowhere. Amen. It is absolutely scriptural. And if it's included in the scriptures, God help us not to exclude it from our services. Praise is natural. Praise is scriptural. Praise is universal. I want you to see in our text, do you know what we have going on in our text? We have a multi-generational praise service going on. 
We got an old woman and we got a young lady. How about that? How about that? They didn't separate. So, well, all the young people, they got to go to the little dark room back here with the ceiling painted black and they got to rock out and they got, they got to worship in their own way. And then the old people, fuddy duddy, they're going to sing the Gaither songs, you know, out here in the, in the main congregation at a different time. No, they're all together praising and worshiping the Lord. Amen. That's what I like. I like us all together. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And, and you say other churches don't do it. That's fine. They'll have to answer to God. Whatever they want to do is absolutely fine. I ain't mad at no. I'm just telling you why we do it the way we do it. It's because we need the old people around the young people and we need the young people around the old people and these young ladies in here, they ought to be able to look over and find a shouting grandma somewhere and these young men ought to be able to look over and find a, uh, find a shouting grandpa somewhere that'll teach them how to worship God. And I tell you what we have as a result of taking our young people and locking them in a room somewhere. They don't know how to worship God and they come out here in the main service and they're like, me, 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 me. Like a bunch of sissies. They don't know what to do. Amen. Because they've been with some effeminate, skinny gene youth pastor somewhere. Amen. I'm here to tell you, if it's good for the young ones, it's good for the old ones. If it's good for the old ones, it's good for the young ones. Amen. And there is one God for all of us. We ought to worship Him together, no matter what our age is, our personality is, our background. We didn't come here to get divided up. We come here to get hooked up together in worshiping and lifting up and magnifying the name of the Lord. I don't apologize for it one bit. Amen. You say, well, we'll never build a crowd like that. Well, guess what? We ain't ever going to build a crowd then. I don't care. I ain't here to build a crowd. Amen. Amen. I'm here to worship the Lord together. Together. Praise is for anybody with breath. If you got breath, you're qualified. If you got some lungs, or even if you just got a lung, you are qualified. Amen. You don't even have to have lungs, plural. Just one working. You are qualified to praise God. And I see all that in this text. Don't you see that going on? It's natural, it's scriptural, it's universal. Just some generic things. I want to I dig into the text. And again, there's so much I'm leaving on the table here. But can I, can I just make a few observations? Let me just emphasize a few truths about Mary's praise here as she's magnifying the Lord. I want you to see, first of all, I'm going to show you three things and then we'll go home. Number one, I want you to see, number one, the fountain of her praise. The fountain of her praise. I want you to see that we are reading an account of Mary's praise as it is coming out of her mouth. And mouths ought to be filled with praise. Isn't that right? In the 40th Psalm, I believe it is, that the psalmist says that, that He picked me up out of that miry clay and He set my foot on a rock. He established my goings and He put a what? A new song in my mouth. Even what? Praise thy God. Many shall see it in fear. Can I tell you something, friend? When you get saved, He puts a new song, not just in your heart, but He puts a new song in your mouth. It'll change what comes out of your mouth believe that. Our mouths ought to be filled with praise. But I want you to notice this, that the praise coming out of her mouth is just a revelation of what is going on inside of her heart. In fact, that's what Jesus said, out of the abundance of the 
heart, the mouth speaketh. Notice, notice with me, if you will, in verse 46, she says, And Mary said, My what? Say that next word with me. My what? Soul doth magnify the Lord. Verse 47, And my what? Spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. I want you to notice that praise and worship, it is an inside thing. It is an internal thing. It is her soul that is magnifying the Lord. It is her spirit that is rejoicing in God. I want you to notice it's on the inside. This thing of praise, it starts and it, and it, and it, and it, and it, and it cultivates on the inside before it ever comes on the outside. It is her soul and her spirit that are doing the praising on the inside. In fact, what's, what's interesting is in verse number 47, she uses past tense. She says, my spirit hath rejoiced. What she's saying is, I'm telling you on the outside what's already gone on on the inside. It's already happened on the inside. My soul's already rejoiced and you're just now finding out about it on the outside. Because it had already happened. It had already happened. The fountain of her praise was on the inside. And this tracks exactly with what Jesus told the woman at the well in John chapter 4. He said, God is a spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in what? Spirit and in truth. You'll find both of those things in this text here. You'll find it's chock full of truth, and I'll tell you about that here in just a minute. But it is her spirit that is magnifying the Lord. She is worshiping God. What does that mean in John 4, 24, when he says that we must worship, worship Him in spirit and in truth? Well, here's what I believe on that. It's a lowercase s, spirit. We're worshiping Him in spirit. That means it's on the inside. That's not talking about the Holy Spirit. That's talking about your spirit, my friend. That's talking about... You can say whatever you want on the outside, but if it ain't real on the inside, then you're not getting the benefit of it. I promise you that. Amen. I'm telling you, even a drunk ought to praise God. You ought to praise God, feel like it or not. He's just worthy of it. If you got breath, no doubt about it. I'm going to tell you something. There is something special about God stirring on the inside and overwhelming you on the inside, and you just can't help but let a little steam off somewhere and sometime another. Listen, it ought to, it ought to just, it ought to just collect on the inside of you until you just can't hold it in any longer. I believe that with all my heart. I ought to have to let some out. And no wonder some of y'all are so grumpy. Amen. You got constipation. Praise. Amen. You're all stopped up. Amen. My grandma would have a good remedy for that, and I ain't going into all that. I'm going to tell you something. Some of y'all need to get unstopped up real quick. No wonder you're so grumpy. No wonder you're so mean. No wonder you're rah, 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 all the time. Listen, you just need to let loose and praise God. He's been good to you. God's given mankind some outlets. God's given mankind some, uh, some uh, release valves. And I'm going to tell you something. Praise and worship is one of them. I'm being honest here now. Listen, you're driving yourself crazy. You're stressed out. Man, you're mad at the world. I'm telling you what you need. You need to think about what God has done in your life and then you need to release that. I tell you, I feel better when I leave church. Most of the time. But man, when I leave church and I've praised God and I've worshipped God and it's been real and it's been right, I'm going to tell you something. It don't matter what's going on on the outside. Man, I feel 10 million times better. You know why? You say, well, that's just psychological. No, my friend. That is spiritual. God made you with a spirit and God made that spirit to commune with His spirit. And I'm here to tell you, friend, when it gets to communing with Him and it gets to praising Him, there are things that are happening in your life that are healthy for your life. I believe that with all my heart. 
God made us to worship Him and praise Him. And it ought to happen on the inside. That's where I was going with all that. If it's only external, then it's short of God's desire for true worship and true praise. I understand there's a little difference between worship and praise. I'm using them interchangeably this morning. But I want you to know, my friend, that God made you to worship Him. God made you to praise Him. And it needs to come from the inside. True, true praise, it comes from the heart. But I'm here to tell you, it doesn't bypass your mind and your head. The head, and here's, how, here's just how I wrote it down. Here's just how I was thinking about it this week. The head processes the information. And the information, again, Mary was given this information. Of course, the angel told her, and then Elizabeth started reminding her of everything that God was doing in her life. The mind has to process those things. God's given you a mind. God's given you ears and eyes and senses where you can, and you, we come to church to have our senses, to have our senses exercised, to be reminded, you hear what the preacher said, and hear what the Word of God, see what the Word of God says. There's Aaron Aldridge right there. I just noticed that. Good gracious, Miss Aaron. My, <laughs> good to see you, Miss Aaron. You doing all right? I'm glad you're here this morning. The, sorry. Squirrel. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> The mind processes that information. And, the, and, and you're reminded of how good God's been and what God is doing in your life. The mind processes those things. And then the, the heart produces the praise. What goes in your mind goes into your heart. By the way, that's good or bad. That's why you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful what you listen to and what you look at and all that because it goes straight to your heart and your heart does something with it and then it comes out. Your mouth proclaims it. Your mind processes it. Your heart produces it and your mouth proclaims it. And that's the way this thing works. And can I tell you, what we need to do is be reminded of the good words of God and the good works of God and the good ways of God and let that get in our mind and let that stir around in our heart and your heart is a praise factory. And if you'll put things about God in there, your heart will produce praise and and it will come out your mouth. Hebrews said that it is the fruit of our lips. Amen. But your heart, your inside is the fountain of which all of it comes out. James talks about our, our life being a fountain, right? You can't have bitter things and sweet things coming out of the same fountain. A fountain of praise. I want you to note in Mary's life, her fountain, the fountain of her praise. It was an inside job, inside job. Number two, I want you to notice this, not only the fountain of her praise, but secondly, I want you to notice the focus of her praise. I want you to notice who was being praised. It's the Lord. You say, well, that's pretty simple. Yeah, it is, but is it? Because I'm going to tell you something, a lot of times what, what comes out of our mouth and even our praising God, and a lot of times, it, it, it's, it's all about ourselves and it's all about us. In fact, a lot of times we use God as some kind of an excuse, some kind of a backdoor excuse to really just exalt ourselves. 
And I'm amazed how Mary kept the focus on the Lord. And she does mention herself, but it's all about what God has done for her. And, and, and the only reason that she'll be called blessed from generations uh, in verse number 48 is because of what God has done in her life. She's not lifting herself up. If anything, she is humbly. She refers to herself as a handmaid, as a servant, as somebody that is low, as somebody that is nothing. But look what God can do with a servant. Look what God can do with a handmaid. Look what God can do with somebody that is low. God lifts them up. Aren't you thankful for that? But it's all about Him and it's all about what He's done. Some people use their praise as some kind of a, as, as a back door to really just exalt themselves. So y'all pray for me. I'm, you know, I'm really awesome. Y'all pray for me. <laughs> I mean, that's what they might as well be saying. <laughs> I got a prayer request, but it's all about how good they and everything good they've done and all that. They're that and a bag of chips and, and they're so awesome and all that. And well, it, it, their praise is nothing more than a look at me and look at what I've done. But y'all, you know, but, but I want to give all the glory to God for all the wonderful things I've done and all the awesomeness that I am, you know. I'm here to tell you, our praise ought to be focused on Him. In fact, that's what that word magnify means. It means to make great in representation. You know what a magnifying glass is, right? It makes things bigger. Let me tell you something about God. You're not going to make Him bigger. He's he's already big. (laughs) That's a great theological statement, isn't it? He's large in charge. You're not going to increase Him one bit. You're not going to make Him bigger. But I tell you, we can't represent Him bigger. We can make Him bigger in representation. We can make Him look bigger to our children and to this lost world. Because I'm here to tell you, sometimes we look at some people that say they know God and say they love God, but the God they have must be a really, really, really small God because He's not made any impact in your life at all. Amen. He's not doing anything great. He's not changed your life one bit. Your God must just, you got Him in a little pocket somewhere. You just kind of fit Him in a little pocket. Amen. I don't have a dog at my house, and I'm proud of that. I don't like dogs. I don't like your dog. I don't like anybody's dog. I'm just kidding. I really don't hate dogs. People think I hate dogs because stuff like that that I just say. Well, yeah, we think you hate dogs because like you say that, you know, every other month. I don't hate dogs. I hate responsibility is what I hate. <laughs> so we just had another kid instead, you know. That's a lot easier. <laughs> a lot less responsibility. Uh but I'm here to tell you, listen, if you were to get a big, have y'all ever seen them big Great Danes? What are other big dogs? What are big dogs? St. Bernard's. What's another one? Wolfhound. One of them big dogs. I'm here to tell you, listen, if, if one of them things, if you got one of them things in the house with you, listen, you're going to know it's there. You're going to smell it. You're going to see where it's been. <laughs> they leave a little trail of hair all over you. All over you and the couch and everything else. And I know you're your house ain't like that, so God bless you. I'm sure that's fine. But they leave, they leave stuff everywhere. You're going to know it's there. Listen, we have, we do, contrary to popularly, we have a pet at my house. We do. We have a hamster. We do. We have a hamster. How about that? I let the kids get a pet. Dad of the year right here. It's a hamster. But I'm here to tell you, listen, unless you went upstairs and looked in a certain corner, you wouldn't even know it's there. And the reason I let them get a hamster, let me tell you why I let them get a hamster, is because it made zero changes to my life. Zero. I don't clean the cage out. Of course, neither does Haley. She's supposed to, but 
Grandma comes over and does it. But anyway, uh, I don't. See, I, sometimes I'll hear it, you know, at night. It, 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 get, it comes out at night, and that's if I, if I happen to come out of the room or whatever. I'll hear it. It, it gets that little, the little ball, you know, the drinking that water. Ding, 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 ding. And it's getting something to drink. But I don't mind a hamster in the house. You know why? Because it don't, it's really small. It's really tiny. It's in a cage. It's, it's cooped up. It only goes where I allow it to go. It only does what I allow it to do. And it's really small. It don't take up any room. I don't ever buy it food. Grandma does that. I don't ever change its cage. Grandma does that. It has literally affected my life in zero ways. Because it's so small. I'm going to tell you, that's some people's God I think they got. They just got a little hamster God is all they got. It has not affected their life anyway. They got it in a little cage, and God, you're allowed to... And every now and then, every now and then, the twins get that hamster out and put it in a little ball. Let it roll around. And that's what some people do with God. All right, God, I want to play with you just for a minute. I want to see you do something cool just for a minute. And they get their little bitty God out and let him move around just for a little, little bit. Can I tell you something? God is not your little hamster to play with and to keep in a cage. He's not a little God. I'm here to tell you God is a big God. And I'm here to tell you we ought to, we, there ought to be some evidence in our home. There ought to be some evidence in our life. We ought to have the smell on us, amen, that there has been something bigger than us in our life. I'm going to tell you, we ought to magnify. And that's what Mary is doing. God is a big God, but she is revealing to us. That, and she said, listen, God is bigger than I ever thought He would be. Man, when that angel came to me and told me what was going to happen and what was going on, I realized that God was bigger than I ever thought. God just blew my mind. What a big God we have. And I want my kids to know, and I want my church to know, and I want my world to know that we have a big God that has absolutely changed my life. Magnify the Lord. That's what it means to magnify Him. Her focus was on the Lord, on His person. He's referred to as Lord, my Savior, mighty, holy, merciful, strong. She praised God for who He is. She magnified God's performance. And I'm not going to take time to look at all the verses here, but I'll just listen to them for you. Here's what she said God did. He regards the lowly. He's done great things. He showed strength. He put down the mighty. He exalted those of low degree. He's filled the hungry. He sent away the rich. He's helped Israel. He's kept His promises. Look at all that God has done. Praise Him for who He is and praise Him for what He's done. Amen. May our life overflow with praise for who He is and for what He's done. He ought to be the object of our praise. He's the focus of her praise. The fountain of her praise. It's the inside, my soul, my spirit. The focus of her praise. It's all about God, who He is, what He's done, what He's doing. And then lastly, and I'm done, I want you to see the faith in her praise. The faith in her praise. Mary realizes that Jesus is a game changer. And, the, the, and, and she's putting all this together. In her mind, she knows who this baby is according to Scripture and the role that He will fulfill all the things the Bible tells that the Messiah is going to come to do and she's putting all these things together in her mind and that is what she is referencing in all these things that she's talking about in her praise. It's the ultimate fulfillment of Jesus as King. Now we know the first time He came, He came as what? A servant, a sacrifice. Isn't that right? Now see, Mary, she didn't have all that figured out just yet, did she? She was like any other good Jewish young person, any other good Jew. They're thinking about, just like, that's the reason everybody 
they had trouble. That's really, the disciples stumbled, right? The, uh, the, the two on the road to Emmaus, they were disappointed. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea, he was looking for the kingdom of God, waiting for the All these Jews, they're, they're, Mary was just a good Jewish girl, loved God uh, with all of her heart. And, and she, she, she was thinking about, about, about the fulfillment, and rightly so, because that's what the Bible says. I don't want you to overlook that, but, but she's thinking about that G, the ultimate fulfillment of Jesus, and when He comes as King of kings and Lord of lords, which we know to be the second time when He comes, He will absolutely change the landscape of the entire world. Did you know what? when He comes as King of kings and Lord of lords, He is going to exalt the lowly. He is going to scatter the proud. He is going to put down the mighty. He is going to lift up the humble. He is going to fill the hungry. And He will send away the rich, the self-sufficient. He will send them away with absolutely nothing. In fact, when Jesus comes back to rule and reign on this earth, everything is going to be turned upside down, isn't it? There will be a great reversal. And that's what she speaks of in these verses. She's praising God for the great reversal. As a good young Jewish girl, she's waiting for the Messiah. She's waiting for the King of Kings. And they they are under bondage of Rome. And they are servants and slaves to Rome. And they have no king uh, that will honor God and and reign in righteousness. and And that is what she is waiting on. And she is excited that now, finally, all the bad things are going to be made right. That's what she's praising God for. And by the way, when Jesus comes back, everything will be turned around. The tables are going to turn. Can I tell you something? Listen, I'm, I, think I, I think I went past my 28 minutes, I think. But I'm going to tell you, when Jesus comes back, man, everything's going to change. Isn't that a, doesn't that excite you right there? He's going to rule and reign Jerusalem. Listen, right now it looks like the devil and his crowd, they got it all. They look like they're running it all. They look like they're in charge of all. But can I tell you, that is just a temporary arrangement, my friend. One day the eastern sky is going to part. There's going to be a white horse rider, and he's going to have written on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. On his head will be many crowns out of his mouth, a sharp two-edged sword. And I'm here to tell you, friend, he's going to rule and reign in holiness and righteousness and He's going to put under His feet all of His enemies and we'll rule and reign with Him. What a day, what a glorious day that will be. It looks like the devil and his crowd are winning, but listen, friend, one day the tables are going to turn. You better make sure you're sitting on the right side of the table. Amen. The lowly will be exalted. The proud will be put down. Thank God for that day. But listen to me. Here's what I'm noticing in this text. But I want you to notice that all the praise that she is offering to God for all these things, I want you to notice that they're all in the past tense. Like they're already done. That's, you know what they call that? You know what you, when you praise God for something you can't see yet, but you already believe it like it's already done? You know what you call that? You call that faith. That is when you are praising God, not because you can see it, but you're praising God because you believe it. And everything she says, I love that. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their heart. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich hath he sent away empty. All that is past tense like it is already done. She had faith that God was going to do everything. She was already praising God before the answer ever came. Hallelujah. 
That's faith. You say, where'd she get this faith from? Well, there's only one place you get faith. Faith cometh by and hearing the what? There's only one place. Look, and she even tells us that. It's in her praise. Look at verse 55. As he what? Spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. She wasn't naming and claiming something out of thin air. She wasn't blabbing and grabbing something that had never been seen before or said before. She was going back to the Old Testament and she was taking what God had promised the forefathers and she was bringing it over here to today and said, God said it would happen. I believe it. That settles it. I'm going to go ahead and praise Him like it's already done. <laughs> I'll tell you what you need. You say, well, I need God to answer a few prayers and then I'll praise Him. No, you just need to go ahead and praise Him. Faith is praising God like it's already done. In fact, in this little praise, it's only eight or nine verses, there are 31 references to the Old Testament just in those, just in those eight or nine verses. She re- that woman, you know why she was filled with praise and filled with faith? It's because she was filled with the Scriptures. That young Jewish girl, she had favor with God. She knew God. She loved God. She had learned that Bible and learned the promises. What God said. Let me tell you why we're so weak and so anemic and we can't praise God. It's because we don't know what He said. If you gotta wait for everything to be perfect, if you gotta wait till you see it all, if you gotta wait till He answers every prayer before you just let go and praise Him, you're gonna be waiting a little while. But why don't you praise Him? Not because everything's perfect, but praise Him because one day everything will be perfect. And that's what she's doing. She ain't praise God. In fact, her life's far from perfect. Her life's uber complicated right now. But you know what? She's looking ahead by faith and she says, I see a perfect world. I see Jesus ruling and reigning. I see God taking everything and making everything right, making everything new. And I'm going to go ahead and live in that reality like it's already done. My life is complicated right now. I don't know what's waiting on me when I get back home. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to clear off a spot right now and just praise Him. Not because everything's perfect, but because one day everything will be. And that's enough. That's enough. Man, that is sufficient. That is sufficient for me to praise God. Mm. Everything will be perfect one day. Miss Maddie, you can come to the piano. Is He not worthy of our praise? Should we not magnify Him this morning? Is he not? I, I, I think you ought to underline that verse 49 for said, He for he that is mighty hath done to me great things. Is there a one of us in here that can't say that? Listen, if he saved you, you know what? You know what God did? You know what the great things he's talking about? Put Jesus in her life. That's what she's talking about. Put Jesus in my life. Well, can I tell you now? I know, I know we're not the same as Mary. I know God ain't doing the same things in our life. But can I tell you, there is an application to be made. God put Jesus in our lives. And if he's done that, he's done to you great things. I think he's worthy of some praise. I think he's worthy of some glory. I think he's worthy of us just lifting some hands toward heaven this morning and just saying, thank you, Lord, for what you have done. It's only natural. It's only natural. It's only the natural response to everything that God's done. It's only the natural response to the goodness of God in our lives. So, with the psalmist, this morning I'll give you the invitation, oh, magnify the Lord with me. He said, and let us exalt His name.
together. I like corporate praise, don't you? That's what we have going on. You say there's only two. Well, John the Baptist is there. Jesus is there. Zacharias can't say anything, but he might be lifting a hand toward heaven. I don't know. Looks like they're having church in that little house to me. Amen. (laughs) Oh, man. So good. So good. Magnify the Lord.